Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties. Pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. I want to welcome you back to another episode of You Wear It Well. And today I have two very special guests on. And they have a very, very interesting product that uh, I want them to share with the world. And so I want to introduce Dr. Jason Hand and Michael DeTulo. So gentlemen, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Go ahead, Michael. Thanks, Jason. Uh, well, thanks for, for having us on the podcast. Really excited to talk about this product. Jason and I have been working on it for a long time. I'm trained as an industrial designer, and over the last 25 years, I've worked with uh, some of the biggest brands in the world. They've done work for Google, Intel, Motorola, Honda, uh, a number of other companies, a uh, startup out of LA called Arc, which is making electric speedboats. Um, I started my, my private consulting practice uh, five years ago, um, but prior to that, I, I most notably spent about eight years at Nike, uh, where I worked on the Nike brand initially. And then I was the 13th, 13th designer to ever work in Jordan with, with Michael Jordan, Carmela Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Derek Jeter. Um, and then when they purchased Converse, I was a design director for Converse. So uh, that's kind of where I, I kind of got my, my footwear chops and then working with Jason for the last um, almost four years. It's just been a real joy to put that expertise to use in a, in a way that could really help people. Well, that's hard to follow. Uh, I'm Jason Hanft. I'm a podiatrist by training and a serial entrepreneur, mostly in the wound care space. I've been functioning in the wound care world for more than 35 years, uh, both clinically 
Um, I'm an active clinical researcher as well. I've participated in well over 100 clinical trials, mostly, again, in the wound healing uh, milieu. Uh, and about 10 years ago, we decided to take a look at our success rates at our wound healing facilities. And when we discovered that our wound healing and our amputation rates hadn't really changed in 20 years, uh, we decided to do a little deeper dive. And this is where the business mind sort of came into play. Once we discovered that we had a real issue, and the issue was that even with all the high-tech science and, and fancy interventional procedures, and when I talk about fancy, we're talking about we can now open arteries in your big toe with a wire placed in your groin, and I have living skin equivalents that I can apply to your wound, um, but we still don't have a decrease in amputation rate and an increase in wound healing rates. So what we did was we took a look and we had some professionals ask the patients. First, we asked the scientists, why aren't we healing? Why isn't it getting better? And the professionals told us that it was because patients weren't listening. Well, I'm not sure that patients are being any less compliant today than they were 20 years ago. So then the next thing we did was we asked the patients. We said, hey, why aren't you doing what we ask you to do, thereby not healing? And almost universally, over 90% of them told us, I can't. I can't put the devices on you're asking me to wear, and I can't wear them on a daily basis. And if I have someone help me put them on, there's a stigma associated with it that makes it feel like I have a medical condition. And I can't go about my life with that stigma on my shoulders. So first off, as a caregiver and a professional physician, I was devastated because I had never asked that question. Can you use the devices I put on you at home? But then I saw it as an opportunity. Well, if we can provide patients with a product that works, is easy to use, and destigmatizes the treatment of diabetic foot ulcers or protecting the lower extremity, we could really have not only a successful product, but we can make a big difference in the world. That was, that was kind of our, our mantra as we were developing this product is that it can't work if people don't wear it. So even if, even if we put the most amazing technologies in the world in it, if it sits in someone's closet, it's not going to help them. And that's and a much more complex process yeah. than you could imagine, right? You can't, fitting biomechanical engineering, material science, real engineering, gait analysis into a product that's appealing to people is not easy. Um, I, I'm kind of giggling here because, yeah, I mean, where, where I stand, you know, I, I've seen that. I've, I've seen equipment reps bring in, oh, this is wonderful. We've got this, this, that, and other. they're not going to wear it. it it's just not going to happen. So when I first took a look at your product, I looked at it and I said, that, it, looks, it looks good. You know, it, it, it's something that looks as though it's going to be where someone would wear it. It's just like, you know, you're growing up and you don't want to play the piano, but you play it. But then you walk in someday and you see this beautiful piano in the store. And like, I'm going to play that. But yeah, you don't want to do your lessons at home. So I, I see the same structure with this, with the foot defender. And that's what got me interested is like, it looks good. It's so tell me 
each of you tell me some of the challenges that you had with making it so that it would be want to be wearable by people so then it could be effective so the first challenge was um, finding a team that could actually focus on this aesthetic portion we'll call it it's it's pretty easy to find an engineer that can solve a math equation to reduce force on the bottom of the foot it's pretty easy to find a material scientist who says, oh, steel works better than plastic. I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. Uh, it, it's really hard to put a team together that understands the mechanical problem, the physical problem, the gate problem, and incorporating that into something that is aesthetically appealing. But I think our success in making a highly complex device look like boot, a snowboard boot, or a basketball shoe, if you put your pant leg over it, um, is a combination of like-minded people wanting to solve a problem. And, and the big problem is today, every 20 seconds, someone in the United States loses a leg to the complications of a diabetic foot ulcer. One in 10 Americans are diabetic. Currently, more than 75% of the patients with diabetic wounds leave the facility they're being treated in in the same shoes they walked in it. And the real key to healing diabetic wounds is reducing the force on the bottom of the foot. So we're never going to have success in saving lives, limiting amputations, and healing wounds if we don't get people out of shoes. So part of getting them out of shoes is providing them with something that looks good. And, and just so you get a feel for the breadth of this epidemic, if you have a diabetic foot amputation, uh, in five years, your life expectancy is 50%. The mortality rate in the first 30 days after a lower extremity below the knee amputation is near 30%. So these are numbers that have a true effect on people's lives. And the one thing we know, and the science has supported since the early 50s, is if you reduce the force on the bottom of the foot, wounds heal faster, you have less infections and less amputation. Michael, from your point of view, where, where were the challenges? Well, I, I think the challenges... Um are actually what I love about my job. You know, like as, as an industrial designer, it's my role to take these competing goals, right? You have the goal of, of reducing pressure uh, and, and kind of locking the foot in place to reduce pressure. And that goal is in direct opposition with making it easy to put on and take off, right? Because the easier you make it to put on and take off, you're like, what well, the more chances of not putting it on properly. And those two goals are in direct opposition of making it aesthetically uh, look good to reduce the stigma and, and creating something that people would actually feel comfortable wearing to work visually or feel comfortable wearing to, to the grocery store. So getting kind of like creating the Venn diagram of where all those three opposing goals overlap and, and finding the right solution and, and doing it at a cost that, that is, is achievable, right? It's, it's, you know, you could do, solve anything if you throw money at it, but 
you're like, if, how can we do it in a way that makes it actually affordable for these patients? That's the fourth goal. And, and that's just what I love about what I do. It's just, how, how do I find that? Um, and I always say, you know, I love being kind of the, in a way, the least knowledgeable person in the room. I'm, I'm not a subject matter expert. And that's why I really love working with people like Jason, who are so passionate and so knowledgeable about what they do. Uh, and I could try to like pull all these things out of them. And then uh, we brought on uh, Drew Linth as, as a developer, also a former Nike uh, person to kind of be the, the factory liaison for us um, and, and help us. And I think it just, again, like Jason said, getting those right people together, because that was, it was a, uh, we, once we found Drew, I think things, you know, really, he was kind of the, the third leg on the stool, if you will. Um, and, and then I, I think just digging in and, uh, unfortunately when you're, when you're doing something new, when you're, when you're, when you're doing something innovative, it's embracing the, the, um, the old adage, if you want to make an omelet, you have to break some, some eggs. And, and we broke a lot of eggs in this process. There's a lot of prototypes. Um, I don't think I've ever worked on something that took four years to bring to market, um, and some of that was, of course, you know, the, the pandemic wasn't helping either. Um, but I just like we had to get it right because otherwise there was no reason for this product to exist. Michael, that's that's a really good point, because I know I've, I've had other guests on the show that have mentioned that, that it's a challenge because we're you're moving from something that I, I designed something that looked good and was functional to I'm designing something that's actually going to help somebody improve their health. That's a big difference. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think both of you gentlemen talked about the team approach, which I've mentioned many a time. And my guests in the past have said the same thing is that you got to get the right team together and have the, and all those people need to be able to work together. It doesn't have to be on the same room around the same table. It's just basically being that you're in the, basically at the same playing field, you know what you need to do, execute it and go ahead and do that. Jason, tell us a little bit about the the thought processes you had in wanting to design the defender um and for our listeners i'm going to be uh, having the website will be there on the liner notes so please go on the website and take a look because it's a fantastic product but there's a lot that goes inside that you don't see of course they have an exploded view on the website which is fantastic so jason tell us a little bit about the process you went through in putting that all together because obviously it's not something you put all into one thought I'm sure this evolved over time about what you want to add to it. So tell us a little bit about that. And then afterwards, I want Michael to talk about what were his thought processes and the evolution of, okay, how do I put this together to make it look like, to me, it looks like a pretty fancy Air Jordan. It's got a pretty nice style to it. So Jason, let's talk about your thought processes moving forward, how you start to layer all this together as, as we see the foot defender is it's layers of, of high tech and bio, you know, basically biometrics, you know, that have gone into all of this. It's an interesting question, Jeff. Um, so my background and my superpower is my knowledge of the science. So I went back to the science. What heals wounds the fastest? And the data is 100% pointing to a product called the Total Contact Cast. 
Total Contact Cast was invented for people with leprosy. Dr. Paul Brand brought it to the United States in the 50s and transferred it to diabetics who have similar neuropathy, loss of feeling that people with leprosy have. And the whole idea behind a contact cast is you use plaster and fiberglass to eliminate the motion of the foot when walking and provide a large surface area by which to dissipate force in any one particular spot. And that's all well and good, but the thing weighs 12 to 14 pounds, takes almost a half hour to put on, and is fraught with risks. Um, some very simple risks, like you can't take your pants off while you have it on, so it's really hard to go to the bathroom. Um, so, but the mechanics are solid, right? And on top of that, I have a, a hobby of gait analysis because as a podiatrist, in order to come up with appropriate diagnoses, you have to spend a lot of time looking at people walk. So if you look at the mechanics on what worked and how it worked, right? So a cast, one of the big features of a cast is it transmitted force over a large area. So we needed that. The second was it had to alter your gait because once you have neuropathy, the foot tends to slap on the ground very quickly because the small muscles of the foot aren't working appropriately. So you end up with a very high strain rate, force over time, on the bottom of the foot. So casts work great because it holds the foot at 90 degrees. The next thing was, how do you limit the time that the foot carries pressure? So if you can limit the amount of force, shorten the time, and distribute the force, you have the trifecta of best practice. So the way you limit the time is by altering the gait cycle, slowing the speed at which the tibia moves forward. So if the tibia doesn't load the foot until after the foot's off the ground, you never have the whole body weight on the foot. So these that's the basic science. That's where we started. And it took over four years and more than 30 iterations to come up with the mechanics that could be removable to do this. Materials testing, um, fights on a nightly basis with engineers. <laughs> uh, we actually invented a material along the way because we couldn't find a product that did what we needed. It, one of the materials we needed was something that had massive impact reduction, but was also elastic. So viscoelastic is the term, and there are lots of viscoelastic materials on the market, but we tested about 600 of them, and none of them rebounded fast enough to actually have use in the gait cycle, right? Because you just don't pick your foot up and put it down, and you're done. It keeps going, and there's a very short period of time between loading and unloading. We needed a material that compressed back to normal size pretty quickly. So and, and then we looked at things like, well, if the foot's going to be touching a surface, we need this surface to have low friction, right? Because we don't want, we can't hold the foot perfectly still. We don't want friction to affect the wound. And, oh, by the way, the person's going to be walking in this for at least a month. All these materials need to be durable. They need to be antimicrobial so we don't build up bacteria. They need to be wicking so fluids don't stay in the area. And just about every foot that's treated is a different size or shape 
and has a bandage on it. So it needs to be essentially universally adjustable. Those are the thoughts. Then the trial and error came. And, and as Michael told you, this literally took, once Michael and I started working together, four years to bring it to market. Yeah, and Jason had been working on it for three years prior to that. Um, I think for, for, for us, the breakthrough in this came for me about halfway through. Um, you know, I think we, were, we started by, in a way, trying to fix products that were on the market. You know, products on the market have kind of our side braced. We're like, well, let's make the side bracing stiffer. Let's make the bucket stiffer. We're injection mold this whole bucket put lots more cushioning in it. Um, and we just weren't getting the results that we wanted. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really a noticeable improvement. And about halfway through the process, I was like, you know, we keep trying to basically take this, um, the approach that the industry has taken and, and improve it. And I was like, maybe we, just, we need to back up and just build this a totally different way. Uh, and instead of trying to build it like a medical device, that then we improve the function of and make it look better. Why don't we build it a lot more like a shoe and then add these requirements to it? So instead of um, you know having all these exposed injection molded parts, the functional parts on the outside, like you see with all of our competitors, which are a part of that limiting aesthetic, right? You're like, oh, it just looks like a medical product. Why don't we? put internalize all those parts right and those were the parts that we were having to change all the time to, to get it to work right and and every change on on an aesthetically tooled part is very expensive so it's like well if we could put those below the surface we can make the changes much faster because they don't have to be as visually appealing um, and control costs there and then the exterior can be you know an, we can have a, a traditional upper like a shoe that's made from leather and spacer mesh and then for the bottom, we could use what's called a cup sole, which is basically this full rubber deep cup uh, that you'd see in like 1980s basketball shoes and 1990s skate shoes, um, which is very, it's not often used in footwear because it's very rigid, but that's exactly what we want is rigidity, right? So now we have this really deep, super durable, essentially bucket of a cup sole that we could drop a almost 30 millimeter insole into uh, and then play with all the materials in that insole. We injection molded a complete brace that's not just on the sides, wraps all the way around the back and then all the way around the sole. So it's it, it's completely rigid. Um, and so so that gave us that that little breakthrough gave us the the ability to play and iterate iterate a lot faster, while the whole time kind of honing in on the aesthetics. And then I'd, I'd say the the next thing was. You know, all of the competitive products have four to five Velcro straps. Um, they double over. They're just, it's very fussy to put on and off. It's very difficult. It's lots of flaps going everywhere. And I was like, you know, what if we could just remove the whole front of it? And so I, I designed up this, this spat, we call it, that has um, six tabs on it. And so you can literally just take the whole thing off and, and get your leg in there. And I remember the developer we were working with at the time was like, I don't think this is going to work. And I was like, let's just try it. You know, like we know the, the double over straps work. So we could always fall back on that. Let's just prototype up the stat. 
and and we had some prototypes made and Jason tested it in in his lab and it worked. Uh, and that gave us a lot more adjustability because we've got, you know, the six tabs on the spat, six tabs on the body of the, of the boot itself. So you can really kind of get it to be small or get it to be big. You can change the whole angle of the spat. So you could control actually a lot more. And then as, as Jason says, what we found out is a lot of people, once they get it set up, they can slip in and out of it almost like a cowboy boot. And, um, that you can see on the, what I call the, the, the exploded diagram that you have on the website. Right. One feature that I found was brilliant to put in because in my practice over the years, you know, I, I've seen this as people start, a lot of people that have wounds will also have what we call cellulitis. So they'll have inflammation in the cells. And let's just say in this, in this case, it would be the, the lower shin, maybe mid shin, maybe even up to just below the knee. Mm -hmm. Well, th that swelling goes up and down in a lot of people. They'll have good days. They'll have bad days. What I really liked was looking in, at the exploded diagram. You have a nice little unit in there that you can add or subtract air, depending on how much swelling the person has. To me, that's revolutionary because in other products, you see it just in one component, one area, maybe on the outside or the inside, in other words, lateral or medial. Mm -hmm. But this is, it's, it's wrapping around. And I look at that and I think that's going to be really big for those people that have the cellulitis because that's, a, that's a number two problem that we also deal with, with wounds is the cellulitis. In other words, do we, do we care enough for our patients to also take a close look at that instead of the wound? So we have both of those looked at. So now all of a sudden we don't have a second or third wound to take care of because the cellulitis has gotten to the point. Now they've got a weeping wound or they have weeping now. And then the skin breaks down. Now you've got one in the middle of the shin and then you've got another area of, of friction and, uh, you know, it, it, it's a mess. So when I saw that, I was very, very impressed. At what point, Jason, did that come into the design? Was that early on in the process or was that something later on that you thought about? Cause I was just fascinated to see that it was put there. I thought, wow, that's excellent. That's, going to really nip a cellulitis swelling type problem in the bud. So the, the biggest incidence of swelling, cellulitis is in the 20, 25% range, but just about everyone who works at a sitting job. So imagine you have a wound on your foot and the body's sending proteins and inflammatory blocking fluids and cells there to heal it. And your foot's below your heart. All those fluids alone are going to cause swelling below the knee. So some of our early iterations even had an integrated intermittent compression pump in it. The costs and the risks were too high. So to, to actually manufacture an integrated compression pump, it would have been 6 or 7x the cost. And then people with lack of feeling, having all these air chambers and not knowing which was filled at which, we might cause more wounds than help. So we sort of backed into this uh, collar or saddle, we call it, airbag, um, by trying to find a way that not only helped adjust for fit, but also would be in an area with a low incidence of pressure and rubs. And, and Michael and a number of his colleagues has had lots of experience, especially in the 80s with Reebok that had the pump. So. Mm -hmm. Instead of copying what other brace companies had done, which is 
23 little chambers and six areas to pump. And you have to have a PhD in astrophysics to figure out where to put the pump to fill up which chamber. We copied what was acceptable in the sport world, which was a single chamber with a single pump and single release valve. And and the way we that. and the way we designed that chamber, it almost looks like a pair of lungs, uh, right? Because it kind of goes down the lateral and and the medial and and, and spans together uh, above your heel, and so. As you inflate it, uh, and it's it's behind quite a bit of foam, right? So it's it's nice and comfortable. But as you inflate it, you're you're only helping to kind of like lock the heel further in place because you're you're inflating around that area. Um, and so that was obviously by by design. And and as you know, sometimes the simplest solutions are, are the hardest to get to. And it's just like what to keep dialing back, perfecting the shape. Um, and making it something that that people could really feel the difference, you know, only with only a few pumps, you're basically pushing, you know, all the material towards your 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 leg, so you can you know you get that kind of proprioceptive effect of like, okay, that the device is is in total contact with me, so I feel more secure. By the way, there is no functional difference between the two when it comes to pressure relief. The proprioceptive sensation is very important, right? Hey, I can feel where this is on my leg, but inflated or not, the foot defender provides the same amount of force reduction. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link Wearables. There you'll find wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well. Mm-hmm.